Today we are going to examine norms and culture building in group therapy. Group norms are the informal rules that groups adopt to regulate member behavior. Groups manage to influence so people feel safer to agree or disagree with others' opinions and to conform to the group norms. Setting norms does not mean regulating every aspect of group interaction. Rather, it's an opportunity for the group to express its values. Some group norms can include when meetings will begin and end, listening to each other and not interrupting, making sure everyone has a chance to speak, supporting the facilitator's effort to moderate discussion, avoiding ethnic or gender-based disrespect, speaking respectfully to every member. So how does the group go about setting norms? There are many ways, but one process is that there is a period for questions and clarifications, so everyone has the ability to understand what the norms mean and to make sure that they are developed in a way that each member fully comprehends. Going through the list item by item to see which members want to adopt which norms. No member should ever be pressured into accepting a norm that they can't fully get behind. So if any member doesn't approve of a proposed norm, then it must be eliminated. Making sure all of the team members are comfortable with all revisions and then adopt the set of norms. Norm setting can only be done if the group is truly able to arrive at a consensus. These norms will not be useful if members have any reservations. So once the consensus is reached and the group is equipped to have a guide that is positivity focused. Also, this set of norms can serve as a reference if any behavior happens in the group conflictually that could undo cohesion or is disrespectful or goes against any of those other norms that have been developed. So the therapist is the group organizer. And then the therapist is a connection for member to member. The therapist serves as an initial force, but over time the members become unified themselves and they become motivated to participate based upon their joint situation. And the therapist continues as a facilitator, but no longer as that initial unifying force. So culture creation begins in the first session, and it's important to orient the members to the group as you would clients in, in individual therapy even. Some members may in the group be in the group for the first time, others may have attended for more sessions. And regardless, this group has a relational system that requires the members to find their own way. Inviting group members to collaborate on a shared vision for the group as well as themselves is important. And during this conversation, the therapist does serve as a facilitator and also as a documenter of the group's ideas. As the group continues, it's important to allow the members to participate at their own space, their own pace. And this creates an environment of safety and acceptance. Using affirming empathetic statements rather than probing questions is important. And making sure that you are spotlighting 
the positive, what they're doing well, rather than on negative and what they aren't doing well. Shifting from questions to empathetic statements can sometimes be a challenge for a therapist, but it is useful in creating a safe space, especially in those very beginning stages. Highlighting group process is also really useful in order to develop cohesion and a positive culture. So just seeing commonality between participants and, and highlighting it. For instance, you could say, it sounds like the two of you have had a similar experience. And then that will actually bond them together. Communicating consistently with the group members is the responsibility of the group. So if a member complains about the direction of the conversation, you can easily say, well, what would you like to discuss? And this can open an opportunity to clarify, but also to prioritize topics without dictating the agenda. Asking group members to evaluate their experience on a regular basis is important because it's important that progress is documented. So the therapist is wanna know how the members are relating to one another. Is the process valuable? Are they self-disclosing? Are they reacting to each other's stories and emotions? Are they communicating ownership and personal application of what they hear? Do they feel validated? Group therapists can answer these questions through observation and interaction between the members. They don't have to be fully participant in the conversation. Believing clients can and will make steps towards their goal is important for the therapist and highlighting those moments that occur between member while it's happening in the meeting can create acceptance and care. This can be done through shared experience statements, connection to a statement by another group or member through agreement of what a member is saying. Therapeutic statements are questions that are aimed at gathering more information about someone's experience or an attempt to help another group member gain insight. Strategy to provide advice or guidance concerning issue from member to member. Engaging questions of member to member that allows for social connectedness and response to active discussion. Supportive provide supported encouragement for positive feedback for group member to member or for the group as a whole. Positive statements regarding the group and also managing the emotions of all of the members in a way that invite continued self-disclosure and participation, communicating acceptance, verbally and non-verbally with members that are reserved or don't speak up often in conversation. Resist the pressure to influence members' participation. Group therapists need to consider what the group needs at this moment and keep it going in a positive direction. It's possible for the group members to intentionally or unintentionally derail progress for others as well as themselves. And it's important that the group learn how to positively engage in conflict management. This should occur in the very beginning stages. Conflict can arise for many reasons, but a few of the typical catalysts are miscommunication, real or perceived differences in values, beliefs, culture, and the structure or dynamic of the group. 
Destructive intergroup conflict can spring from interpersonal conflicts between members. And what starts as a conflict between a few members can become larger and more complex within the members. The conflicts can spread and often a villain victim dynamic is adapted. This fuels conflict by promoting exaggerated perception and the taking of sides. Once the group members take sides and bond against enemies, then the group unity is fractured and trust no longer exists and respect no longer exists and cohesion has evaporated. People avoid and fear those types of situations in the group dynamic. As the conversations and the gatherings become strained, people then avoid going to group. And depending on the type of group, it may break up or some members may leave. And based upon the norms that were created, some may be asked to leave. Examining the intergroup dynamic that may be created doesn't have to be negative through conflict. And conflict can actually challenge members to achieve greater growth. It is up to the creation of the norms and to the culture of the group as to how conflict is going to best be resolved so that there is no miscommunication, no misunderstanding and greater growth and achievement through positivity can be the focus.